Today's podcast is sponsored by Gamerborn Clothing. Visit gamerborn.co.uk to browse through a collection of gaming-inspired clothing for all ages, even infants and toddlers. Use promo code VGXTPOD at checkout for a 10% discount on your purchase. Gamerborn Clothing, where we were all born to be gamers. Crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels. A casual conversation. Hello world, this is Video Game Crosstalk episode 012, the monthly podcast of gamers talk about tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this week is Adam Redding of the SBF VGS podcast. Hooray! Hooray! (laughs) And SBF VGS, that's a whole bunch of letters. Adam, what does that stand for? (laughs) Yeah, that stands for the Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover Podcast. That title is amazing. <laughs> so you, in my sir. early days of Twitter, and uh, when I was still just doing my one blog uh, many moons ago, um, just trying to make contacts with other gamers, um, podcasters, bloggers, all that fun stuff. And I came across your at some point I came across your Twitter account and I looked at it, kind of cocked my head to the side. And you've got this wild design going on for your logo. <laughs> like basically every font that was used in like the late eighties, early nineties is <laughs> right. going on. <laughs> yeah, we can thank uh, we can thank our handsomely faced uh, buddy Eric Kruger for that logo. He's a graphic design extraordinaire, and that is a lovely ode to the nineties and everything <laughs> that was sci-fi and gaming back in the day. <laughs> so I heard that I'm like this. This there's something special going on here. So been giving you guys a listen for a while, and uh, it's it's been a good ride. So thank you for lowering your standards and coming on to my lowly podcast. <laughs> no man, thanks for having me. It's a good time. Um, okay. Yeah, I was well, just before we started recording. I was saying this is only the second time I've ever recorded a podcast where I was not hosting. So this is uh this is fun uh this making sure the show is good and that it flows is all your responsibility. I just get to hang out. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's not too bad. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm only doing this once once a month at this point. Uh for reasons like we were discussing uh, before we started recording. Uh I have a 5-month-old son at this point. Yeah, so that will do it. It's life's been busy. <laughs> yeah. Life's been busy, but uh, I'm still finding a little bit of time to squeeze a little bit of gaming in. Uh, luckily, I was able to work a schedule out with the wifey, and um, he's being taken care of right now downstairs, and she's letting me pretend to be an internet superstar on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, um, uh, it's he's been, we're, we're going to do a little bit of dad complaining, or at least I am right now. <laughs> yeah, no, man, little... when, when, my, uh, when my son was a... Uh just a Wii babe. Um, I was uh, playing the Wii and Super Mario Galaxy a whole lot. So I would, I would prop him up sometimes in mm-hmm. his, uh, in his little play yard and he would just watch all the fancy colors flashing around. And, and oh, meanwhile yeah. I was having a great old time. I mean, you can't do it for too long. They get restless, but 
Yes. Babies yes, are indeed. babies are yeah. very selfish like that, you know? They are. They <laughs> just they do not care. They are unhappy <laughs> for whatever little baby reason they may be unhappy for. Yep. And they're gonna let you know. And they're gonna keep letting you know. And keep letting <laughs> you know and keep letting you know. Yeah. Um, I have been able to kind of prop them up on my lap as I play. Just kinda well. I tuck them under my left arm as my little gaming buddy. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's been kind of cute. Not gonna lie. Uh, wifey has uh, taken a couple of pictures. Like, oh, uh, you know, we uh, recently actually um, up here in the northeast, we just got destroyed by Stella. Uh, oh gosh. Oh yeah, we got we got hit pretty hard to the point where um, my job actually closed the offices for the day. Wow. Yeah, so it's way beyond just schools closing down. Like businesses, state offices, and other companies actually said, like, do not leave your house. Yeah. Uh, we actually yeah. even had right outside our doors, our right outside our windows on our street, we actually had two cars get stuck in the road. Um, it was just... Wow. Well, because it just didn't stop. Yeah. We got we maybe... We got hit by not nearly as much as you guys did, but uh, we got hit out here in California with a, a bit of a, a heavy rainstorm maybe like last month. And I remember okay. there was some dude who tried to cross super deep water and got trapped in his car. And yeah, because bad, there bad always is. Yeah, there, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand that. Like, I can make it in my Corolla. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, exactly. And it's always like – the first person I actually uh, went out and helped like dig him out and basically just kind of pushed his car to the side of the road because he just was not going to make it to wherever he was going. Yeah. Dude was driving a Hyundai. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know where you think you're going in a Hyundai in two feet of snow and it's still coming down at like three inches an hour or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know where you think you're going, but right now it's going to just kind of go to the side of the road. Anyway, during that day, uh, my wife was able to, you know, pop a quick picture um, and post it to the Facebooks of little Jacob sitting on my lap and as daddy had his snow day. And it was cute. It's nice. It's been working like that for uh, for a while, actually. But he's finally at the age where he's starting to grab everything. <laughs> so... Um, what was I finishing up? I was finishing up some stuff in Destiny, getting ready for Age of Triumph. And, um, I mean, luckily I wasn't in a strike or anything like that, but, uh, trying to do anything that's intensive is really difficult when you've got this little tiny hand, uh, grabbing at your thumbsticks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like, buddy, yeah, buddy, you're cute and all, but you gotta. Yeah, but you're terrible <laughs> at video games. They are so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> just don't understand. Now, I'm not sure when I'm going to have to get him a dummy controller. He's still pretty young for that, but <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to keep an eye out for some uh, for some knockoff brand controllers just in case you know, within the next year or so. <laughs> oh, man. So so what have you been up to? Oh, just, you know, just working, making music, uh, making podcasts, playing the, you know, the Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, man. <sighs> How we're gonna get into that. that game. We're gonna get into that. I'm sure in a bit. Yeah, but yeah. How beautiful is is Horizon Zero Dawn? Because on the last episode, I had John Loyola on, and basically, I just came out and said it. Um, if I had excess cash to burn, and I didn't have to worry about my financial future, and I had a lot of free time, <laughs> uh, I would totally buy a PS4 just for 
Horizon Zero Dawn at this point. That yeah. game looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, I'm loving it. It's it's one of those games that it's funny because it is gorgeous on the regular PS4, which is what I have. Okay. Um, but it, it makes me want to go out and like say, oh, you know, I think I, you know, I could use a, a 4K TV and a PS4 Pro <laughs> and all these things. Of course, it's eventually going to happen. Why not make it happen now? I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, David, there's a sale on today. There's a sale on today. I mean, we're going to be getting one anyway. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, as the Xbox, uh, I'm on Xbox personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time there was like an Xbox uh, S or Xbox One S commercial on talking about the 4K gaming, my wife will turn to me and ask like, so when are we getting a 4K TV? <laughs> and I'll say, I know you're only kidding about that. Don't tease me. Don't play with my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got to uh, happen at some point. I think yeah. I, I may wait until uh, like the PS5 and the Xbox Two are coming out. You know, because those will, I'm sure, be well. Scorpio, you know, is going to be pretty hardcore uh, 4K. But I, I don't know if I'm going to jump, make the jump until the next generation starts. Yeah, you know, about the Scorpio and the PS Pro, are we going to see? I mean, this is kind of like jumping into, I don't even have this uh, on like the show notes, but I mean, I remember when they were first announced, uh, are we going to see another major leap in the console generations or is this going to be kind of like, you know, here's the Scorpio. Um, I know they were talking about having interchangeable parts or possibly making the console upgradable in some way. Have you heard anything about that at all? Uh, well, you know, the, it's kind of up in the air, right? I mean, they they've done they've pulled this this new weird thing on us where they're they're refreshing the consoles mid cycle, which is kind right. of unprecedented. So, um, yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen whether or not they just say like, okay, now we just now it's just PlayStation and it comes out every three years and it's a newer model and then or it's just Xbox and or whatever they you know, mm-hmm. want to call it, but it's like, it's possible they could go the way of the iPad, you know, and, and do that. Um, I personally think they'll probably keep differentiating the, the, um, generations, you know, uh, mm-hmm. with, with, na- with at least kind of big leaps and then have like a, a half step in between kind of a thing. But, okay. Because we're definitely running into a, um, diminishing returns as far mm-hmm. as graphics are concerned. I mean, yeah, there's, it can still get crisper. It can still get, um, clearer. It can still get more detailed and all that. But I've had this conversation with some of the guys at the office. How much, how much additional processing power is required to get ever more finer detail? And what is really the return on that? Like, okay, now we can see more individual hairs on the (laughs) model, you know? Yeah, it's at a certain point it doesn't make the games any better. It's just cool to look at, you know. <laughs> right. Um, but I, we, you know, I think I think they're as they ramp up. Um, you know, they're talking about going. You know, of course, the big deal right now with PS4 Pro and Scorpio is like 4K. You know, we're pushing right. to to this 4K resolution. But realistically, the PS4 Pro doesn't do true 4K. It's usually like 2K and then up-res, mm-hmm. um, and with some exceptions. But um, but yeah, I mean, and Scorpio should probably be 
almost exclusively native 4k but um even then they're having to cut corners and and do some of the stuff where like they render transparencies and shadows at lower res so i mean even that console is is having to be conservative with it you know to where it's going to look basically like the current generation only in 4k kind of a thing or you can run it 1080p and have higher detail so that's really i think what we'll see with the next generation is just like 4k yeah of course it's a given by that point (laughs) 4k but also better lighting and better physics and better uh particles and all this extra stuff that makes the world more believable i can see that i can see that going down (laughs) so you mentioned something about making music yeah so what what's going on with that? So um, yeah, I've uh, well, I've been a musician basically my whole life. Um, okay. When I was nine years old, uh, we moved from this the town where we were growing up, in Southern California, down to the beach, which was super cool. But I didn't know anybody there, and on top of that, we were out of range of Los Angeles's uh, over the air uh, TV stations. <laughs> so, okay. so we had nothing, there's no friends and no, uh, TV oh, no. to fall back on. So I was like, dad, could you teach me guitar? <laughs> Cause he was always <laughs> playing in bands when, when I was growing up. Um, okay. and so he, yeah, he started teaching me, teaching me guitar when I was nine and then, um, yeah, I loved it. And I, I stuck with it and, you know, played in bands basically all through, the rest of elementary school and junior high and then high school, um, my brother and I had started a band by that point. Um, and uh, we had moved out. Hey, you're not going to tell me the name of this band? Oh, yeah, I'll tell you. So <laughs> we had moved out to Nashville at that point because my dad was wanting to get into the music business. Um, okay. And so, yeah, we were out there and um, started up a band. And at that point, I think we called ourselves Seven to begin with. And then we're like, Oh no, there's a million bands called seven when we found out later. And then, so we changed our name to Redline, and then it was like, Oh no, there's a million bands called Redline." <laughs> so then we finally got a name that was our name and there's not a million bands called this, but it was, uh, we called the band echo cast, which is like oh, nice. echo C A S T. Um, and so, yeah, uh, we ended up getting uh, a record deal when I was in high school out there because the the record deals flow like wine out there. Oh, um, <laughs> at least that's what they would have you believe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, got a record deal out there and you know recorded some albums. And basically, as soon as I graduated high school, we were touring uh, with various bands and stuff. So it was a, it was a really really cool way to spend the time that I should have been going to college. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, just, uh, you know, we, I think we toured just about every state and we, we didn't, we never hit Maine and we never hit Alaska, but we hit every other state in the, uh, in the United States. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we did it for quite a long time. Uh, it was, it's good times. If you want to check out any of that music, it's, uh, it's on iTunes or Spotify. Um, and you can we have i think two albums on there all right but well anyway. you're definitely gonna have to send me some linkage uh so yeah, i can yeah. post this in the show notes uh when i post this no problem yeah so um but yeah there's i played guitar in that band um and then uh you know some background vocals and stuff like that but um yeah so i think the last album we released was about 10 years ago now it was in 2007 um okay. And that was right about when I had started a family and 
you know how families go they uh, uh yes you know, i am learning that <laughs> <laughs> um you know babies they need stuff all the time and that stuff yeah, is not do. cheap and so it became this thing where we were doing all right like money-wise when i was a bachelor and i didn't have any bills but then like trying to support a family being you know uh you know, music either pays really, really well, or it doesn't pay hardly anything. And so we were definitely closer to the, the bottom end of that scale money wise. Yes. So, um, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of time in the, um, in our own local scene, just, um, hosting gigs and, uh, just working like the, with the local bands and stuff like that. I mean, I had an absolute blast doing it. Uh, just That's awesome. Yeah, just just some local stuff. Mostly like the band's first gig type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like a rock star once a month hosting up in Saratoga. And it was an absolute blast. But um, it was definitely a hobby because yeah. we were making like I was making no money. I was you know, losing <laughs> money on every gig, but <laughs> right. I didn't care. What? Yeah, I mean, and that was that we we played a ton of shows like that where it was just you know some guy had a passion for music in this town, you know, and and mm-hmm. he'd like to put on shows, and so yeah, we just kind of made a network of those types of people all over the country and started just playing, and then you meet bands and then you'll go out with them in an area where they do well, mm-hmm. and then maybe you, you return the favor and you take yep. them on tour in an you, area where you do well, you know. Right, you do a little gig swapping. Yeah, exactly. So And you you play to a crowd where there's more people up on stage than actually paid it admission <laughs> oh man there's definitely been concerts where there's like five bands on the bill and you're just playing to the, all the other bands <laughs> yep. yep yeah that, that, that's something that the the feel good you know after school special uh tv shows and movies just like never seem to grasp it's basically you just start a band in your hometown with your best buds and like in three months time you're headlining at whatever local music festival it's like nah nah B, that is not how it goes down <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lot of uh I mean the thing about the music business is it like it, it takes there's like a few factors, right? There's uh talent and mm-hmm. there's working super hard at it, and then there's blind luck, right? And you need two of those three things at least. <laughs> and one of them always has to be the luck part. <laughs> yeah. That's that's another sad fact. I mean, you can manipulate the system. You can, like, set yourself up to be prepared when opportunity comes knocking. But if it doesn't come knocking, there's there's nothing you can do. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, no, but we, I mean, we we played it all, that whole spectrum, right? We played the show for one person, Mm -hmm. and they're like, man, that was pretty BA. You know, the one guy, (laughs) and you're like, thanks, thanks, man. Thanks, Thanks, dude. Thanks, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That guy guy is awesome. Um, Yeah, so we did those shows and then all the way up to, you know, playing for, I think one, the biggest show we ever played was we opened for this band, uh, Pillar, and they, they were playing this festival and there was like 3000 people there. And so that was really cool. Like, um, so I I mean, it it kind of. Oh, okay, cool. I yeah, my... heard that like back in the back in the day when I was still back downloading music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that was uh, nice. Yeah, that was um, it was our drummer had uh, I think he had befriended their singer on when he had done a tour. He went out and like played drums for drummer for hire kind of thing mm-hmm. for this band called Earth Suit that eventually became a band called Mute Math. Um, and so, yeah, he was playing for them back in the Earthsuit days. And then, yeah, they had um, 
Yeah, I think that's when he met the the pillar singer and became friends with him. And so anyway, so he kind of like networked with him and, and we ended up doing a tour with them. And that was by far the best tour we ever did. It was because uh, it was like a thousand people a night, basically. So right. yeah, that was yeah, super fun. But yeah, I mean, that. yeah, really, really cool. Wouldn't, wouldn't have traded it for anything. I mean, it's uh, and then I somehow after quitting rock and roll, I somehow landed on my feet with a job. So that was super cool too. <laughs> and stick the landing. Yeah. Stick the landing, started a career and had a family and, and Good now man. a podcast and make music at home. <laughs> nice. All right. So, so with that, uh, we're already, wow. Almost 19, 20 minutes into this. So we should probably talk about some stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the first one, Oh, like if I mention. could, if I could plug oh, something though, real quick, do your thing, do your thing. Um, I do have, um, basically, you know, I've always been a big fan of film, uh, and it's been a long time dream of mine to write like movie scores and stuff. Um, you know, but there is this kind of intimidation factor there. Like how do you become a Hans Zimmer or like a John Williams (laughs) kind of guy with a massive orchestra at your disposal? So, I mean, it's kind of always been this pipe dream. I've been waiting for uh, my podcast co-host David Tate to become a power a powerhouse film director, so I can then ride his coattails. You know, right, um, right. He needs <laughs> so, to get on. <laughs> yeah, he needs to really get on that. Um, but yeah, then I mean, just playing playing a lot of video games, playing uh, some really cool games like uh, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, which had a, an amazing soundtrack by a guy named Jim Guthrie, and then um, uh, Machinarium which has a super, super cool uh, soundtrack by Thomas Dvorak. Um, mm-hmm. So when I heard those things, I kind of, it kind of made me think like, well, I, I love music, but I love making music, obviously. Um, but like these guys were doing stuff that I, I heard and I was like, I love this stuff. And it's like in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff that I could, I could definitely write and record. Oh, nice. So, so I was um, kind of looking at that and thinking maybe I could combine my love of music with my love of gaming. And uh, so anyway, last year I, I made, uh, maybe I think like nine, 10 months ago, I made a, a little audio reel. And so that's what I was going to plug. It's uh, vimeo.com slash Barry White. That's B-U-R-Y-W-I-T-E. And yeah, it's just, um, it's my pinned tweet on Twitter. It's basically, okay. uh, I, I collaborated with a few artists who do like visual art, you know, pixel art or 3D art and uh, made kind of a, a reel for some fake video games that do not exist, <laughs> but um, but with my music on them. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, adventures in podcasting. Absolutely, man. <laughs> like I'm telling you, like, since I've started this podcast and I've um, brought on people from, like, all different walks, I'm getting this, like, Mike Rowe type of feeling as I go through this. Because mm-hmm. I've brought in um, cosplayers. I've brought on uh, sustainability experts. I brought on a um, – oh, I got Megan Rodriguez and uh, substance abuse counseling. Uh, I brought in my friend who is, uh, works – or does work for the, uh, I don't know if he's for the Department of Conservation, but he helped uh, fight some wildfires that were spreading out in Idaho and got some uh, stories from him. So I'm getting people from all different walks of life, and everyone plays video games. And I'm getting yeah. a little bit <laughs> of like the inside scoop of all these different industries and uh, just different jobs, and it's been really cool. So... Absolutely, dude. It, uh, I'll definitely plug your uh, pin tweet once we get this uh, 
uh, podcast uploaded and uh, posted. Very cool. Thank you. All right, so moving on to the first science and technology story. Uh, this comes straight out of the movies. Uh, so it is life imitating art or coming back around. Scientists <laughs> successfully grow potatoes in Mars-like soils. <laughs> so cool. Like Instantly when I saw this uh, article, but just the headline, I was like, oh my gosh, it's just like the, the Martian, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he talks about that in the article. Oh yeah, and obviously the fir- the big header image is of Matt Damon growing, you know, the yeah. first potato plant in the movie. But um, and these are one of those things where you don't really realize you like how extreme certain planet atmospheres and uh, climates can be. Like I know it's pretty inhospitable uh, right now on Mars. I I, I know it is. <laughs> right. I don't know what the details are, but right here in this article, and this article is uh from Smithsonian Magazine. Oh, I and I should correct myself. It's by Bridget Katz. It's not a man, not a man. I thought it was a dude for some reason. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, talking about the climate on Mars, and it is where did I just saw it? Oh yeah, it averages about negative eighty degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> right, right. So you know. <laughs> That's kind of tough. <laughs> it is. It does sound pretty tough to grow these things in this soil in this condition. Um, but I like that it, it highlights the International Potato Center, which I never knew existed, but I'm so happy that it does. <laughs> yes, we are thankful for whatever it is that you do. <laughs> well, and apparently they have like really uh, humanitarian goals, some noble goals uh, with this experiment. Like they wanted. They said, like, if we can grow potatoes in Mars so- soil, then we can grow it in other inhospitable soils around the world and, and kind of help with hunger problems and things like oh, that. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. uh, and I've probably mentioned this on this podcast before, but it's absolutely worth mentioning again. A lot of these crazy science experiments, and this is obviously one of them, not necessarily too crazy because we keep talking about how we want to colonize Mars or at least start you know, testing the waters, uh, so to speak, and trying to get some... You know, planetary travel going one of the challenges we're going to have is feeding ourselves once we get there mm-hmm. so what's one of the most extreme things we can do is all right let's mimic the climate on this nearby planet where we've got a lot of information for so we we know what the atmosphere is like we know what the climate is like on this nearby planet uh we can theoretically reach it in time and actually you know, start colonize it, colonizing it theoretically. Let's see if we can actually grow something. Um, we are actually able to, so that's awesome. But mm-hmm. obviously we are creating or we are developing methods for agriculture in these extreme environments. And like you just said, if we can grow it here, we can easily adopt this method elsewhere on our own planet, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, really the way we should be going we don't need to leave the earth just quite yet we can <laughs> right. still still do something here but um yeah there there are no reapers you know about to destroy the planet or anything like that we don't have to that leave. we know of yeah that we know of um <laughs> so <laughs> the, the collectors may be out there but uh, oh, the reapers we, we haven't right. dealt with the reapers yet <laughs> But of course, you know, as the Mass Effect lore goes, we just need to actually get onto Mars, and then we find the Prothean beacon. Sure, so, and then it's all smooth sailing from there. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, this is awesome that they were actually able to do it. It took them a while too. Uh, mm-hmm. Research takes a long time to do <laughs> research. Properly. Research hard. <laughs> yeah, it really is though. Um, where in the article it took them almost a full year uh, working with this one like CubeSat, as they called it, that uh, simulated the temperature and air pressure and stuff like that. Um, but they were able to do it. So yeah. pretty awesome. Kudos to those guys. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it, if it all started, like they read the Martian, the book, which is clearly better than the movie. Um, if you haven't read it, but yeah, they read that and they were like, I could do that. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> You know, unfortunately, I have not read the book, but there's a really good interview on uh, on Star Talk Radio with Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, where he interviews the guy, the author of the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. And uh, as it turns out, this guy was just kind of winging it when he wrote the book. Like, really? um, people kind of praise all the science that's in the book, but apparently all he did was just like a ton of Google searches. And he was able to... <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> he was able to piece all the guys like, yeah, I kind of settled on potatoes, but I looked into what the you know atmosphere requirements were for um for peas and green beans and a bunch of other things. So yeah, I just kind of settled on potatoes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, that's that's the uh, that's the modern day you know spending nights and, and weekends in libraries researching. You know, just hop on Google. Oh, write, that's and write the great um, American novel. Yeah, before I fly off on a whole other uh, tangent, um, that's pretty much been my theory of why like geek culture is kind of um, more acceptable, because you no longer need to spend hours upon days upon months in the library pouring over tomes of knowledge uh, through like terrible <laughs> and using like the mic yeah, using the microfiche, you know, and like oh, all the old movies, they're like looking at the old newspapers on it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you can just type something into an electronic database, and it just <laughs> there's your information. So <laughs> you can still develop social skills. Yeah. There so, you go. Technology done right. Uh, moving on to some other science news, uh, NASA just released a ton of free software for space nerds. Yay, software! Yeah. So did you get a chance to look at this? Yeah, I, I took a look. Um, my favorite part of that this whole article is that one of the su- pieces of software could uh, allow you to pan and zoom through space and time, which sounds like a bunch of witch magic to me. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, just a lot of stuff. And it's just amazing. They pretty much just took their library and said, you know what? Free for everyone. Yeah, just that's pretty have cool. Have at it, people. Oh, God, there was one. Where did it go? Uh, a few of these that are noteworthy. One of them is Pixel Learn. And this uh, article mm-hmm. is from the Daily Dot. So Pixel Learn, uh, this one sounds like some sort of educational gaming software, but it's actually a tool used to classify pixels in an image data set. It uses algorithms to find structures in the image or label individual classes that extend labels to the rest of the image. So it will actually catalog images based on the contents of that image hmm. so that's pretty powerful yeah that's right that's there. the kind of stuff like google has under lock and key in their vaults you yeah know, right? <laughs> for image search so yeah um, that's pretty cool yeah this other one uh vizar so vivid vizar 
Video Image Stabilization and Registration, um, is a software program that will stabilize video images that have distortion due to motion. Um, yeah, that's really cool. That is got to be. So the obvious uses for that is if they have the satellites passing by um, other planets, or they've got the you know, the rover trying to trying to stream video or record a video as it's walking around, and the things like just bouncing all over the place. This is pretty well in that it will apparently, based on this one sentence description, actually aid in the stabilization of that video. So I can see like extreme sports taking mm-hmm. advantage of this. Yeah. And all sorts of other research applications for like either drones or just remote operations. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think of like forensic applications too. You know, like sometimes we have um, we have a, a video right of of some some event that happened, but it's like off of someone's phone and they were running through the street while something was exploding, right? Oh, but, right. You know, if you take some of this software and you're able to clean up some of these images, you might actually be able to use that in a forensic uh, analysis type way and like pull uh here's a suspect's face from this super blurry video clip and then we got a, right. a clear image of it you know mm-hmm. oh definitely yeah and, can, now and, I'm then, like thinking oh, and then and you get you get the guy standing over the shoulder of the computer nerd he's like enhance enhance click, enhance click, click, click. and enhance. then like they'll be able to enhance <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. all i really want from science and computer science in general I, oh i just want to be able to enhance Yes, you know? just say enhance, click a few buttons, and have the, <laughs> the image magically just like render magically more high resolution. You zoom in, and oh, there we go. Now it's enhanced. Yeah. <laughs> like my limited knowledge of computers, and you know, I, I like to think that I know a lot, and I've dabbled with some video and some uh, image editing a little bit here and there. There ain't nothing <laughs> on the market that'll just take this, a blurry image and just you know, <laughs> up the resolution and detail uh, where, like, detail didn't exist. Right. I mean, you could fake it, which would be really cool. If you if you wanted to Blade Runner it, right, you, right. you have to have a crazy high-res image to begin with. And then you just, like, have your software work to where it, like, zooms in and it's all blurry for a second and then it cleans it up. <laughs> so you could, you could fake it and it would be super fun. Oh, yeah, it'll be a blast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, uh, NASA just kind of opening it up. And I think they actually said, let me confirm this before I mention that. I thought they were going to do like all, just drop it all open source. Oh, yeah. I I think there's no, I mean, there's no charge for any of it. So, yeah, you can just go ahead and use it. Oh, yeah, there's definitely no charge for it. But I'm wondering if they are allowing you to, like, hack into Oh, like, actually get the code and and modify it. Stuff like that. Um, It could crop up around it. Yeah. It's not specifying in this article whether or not it's going to be totally open source. But it's it's free. It's downloadable. And once you have it, I guess, there's really not much that they can do. Um if they're not charging any, you know, actual price tag for it, so yeah, still pretty awesome. Super cool. I really loved the uh, the story that you sent me about uh, the magnetic hard drives. Oh yeah, right. you want to talk about that one? Do we have time? Uh, okay, so we are at thirty five minutes right now. Uh, if it's something you want to talk about, I say go for it. All right, yeah. So that well. The magnetic hard drives going atomic is super cool. So, you know, typically you have uh, about a million atoms involved 
in the magnetic materials that it takes to store one bit of data. So a zero or a one, right? Right. Okay. Um, and just really quick, this is magnetic hard drives go atomic. This is an article from Scientific American. Yeah. So Scientific American, they're breaking it down. Apparently there's some, uh, some research that was just done and that enabled a single atom uh, to contain a magnetic charge to basically store that one or zero, um, mm. which realistically, if you scale that up, you, you have increased the, the capacity of hard drives by about a thousand times. Right. So that is super, super cool. Straight up sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, and I'm saying right like, <laughs> as if I actually know what's going on. This is directly from the article that I'm agreeing with right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so just in those few things that you just mentioned, so it'll take however many uh, thousands or millions of atoms to store you know, a bit of data. Now they can get that down to a single atom. So the, the density of what we're able to create, I mean, we're already... We're already what we are limited <laughs> by right now is basically the dexterity of our fingers to be able to hold a hard drive or to hold a flash drive or jump drive or memory card that goes into your phone or you know a digital camera. So like with a lot of things, we can get down into the like semiconductors and nano machines. Um, we can construct complex machines out of atoms and molecules, but obviously we can't do much of much with them, you know, scaled up because our fingers are massive. So being able to, I mean, just think about like how much data you can fit into like an SD card or mm-hmm. a micro SD card or, you know, whatever it is they can pop into your phone. Um, your phones and, you know, iPods will have gigs of data, at this point, we're going to be talking terabytes or yeah, larger. I mean, yeah, if you think about it, I have a 256 gig micro SD card in my phone, and that could be scaled up a thousand times without increasing the size. So, I mean, that's pretty insane. However, there's a, there's a caveat, which this is kind of the fun part. Mm-hmm. Um, it, <laughs> it, it's, they use a rare earth metal, right, called holmium. And it has to be kept at negative 470 degrees Fahrenheit or colder <laughs> for this <laughs> magnetic charge uh, trick to work. So just to put that into context, it's about 20 degrees colder than like if you rolled down your windows in outer space. <laughs> yes. And, okay, hold on. I'm looking for that number. It says negative uh, 5 Kelvin, which uh, as, as we all know, negative 5 Kelvin is, a, is about 470 degrees below zero fahrenheit below okay temperature below five kelvin okay so quick math or uh science lesson for those of you who do knew um so kelvin one degree kelvin is equal to or one degree difference in kelvin is equal to one degree difference in celsius the difference between these two scales is that zero kelvin is absolute zero so you know, Adam, let me know if I'm like talking beneath you, but I'm going to spit a little, a little bit of a science lesson. Oh, did, uh, now did uh, it say, was it, I thought it was be, uh, been below negative five Kelvin. Is it below five Kelvin? Is that it said? Yes. It's a rare earth metal sitting on a sheet of magnesium oxide at a temperature below five Kelvin. Okay. So five Kelvin equals negative 50 
Uh, a negative 450 Fahrenheit. Yes. Yes. So, so that's, we're also really switching cold. systems. Kelvin it's very, is very a, cold. It is extremely <laughs> cold. All right. So quick, quick <clears throat> science lesson for y'all. Uh, hot and cold don't exist. They are just relative terms to what you decide is like your baseline. Uh, heat is the average amount of kinetic energy within a substance. So if uh, the atoms and molecules within a substance are vibrating at a certain rate, that equates to a specific temperature. So uh, when things are hot, there's a lot of movement within the molecules, and that's what creates the heat. And the slower that those molecules move, the colder the substance becomes or the less temperature, the less heat it has, which will register a lower temperature. As it slows down to a stop, that is absolute zero, which is zero Kelvin. So the difference between um, zero Celsius, excuse me, and zero Celsius and Kelvin, I believe is 273 I believe I'm going off my memory right now. So basically we're talking about negative 270 Celsius or negative 400 something ungodly Fahrenheit. So <laughs> ridiculously cold to but the point. Where- you know what's funny though is as I was thinking about that uh, being a requirement, right? It has to be like colder than four negative 450 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, you could potentially uh create like you know facebook uh, they have a a data center in antarctica because Mm. all those servers generate so much heat you can just like let some of the natural cold air in and it keeps them cold and you don't have to spend a million dollars in air conditioning right um so you could if you got real crazy build a data center in space and you could and you and you could feed your it staff with mars potatoes that's all i'm saying (laughs) This it's all coming together. <laughs> it's all coming together. It is all coming. Adam, it's... you need to patent this. I'm going to stop recording <laughs> right now. We're, we're going to get this to the patent office, and we're we're get, we're going to get this uh, space servers. We're, yes, we're gonna... we need space servers with atomic hard drives that are just ridiculously dense, <laughs> and all of the the world's data can live in like a, a satellite uh, data center that orbits the planet. It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Before we go any further, I'm going to have to do an audible interlude. Mm. So for you, the listeners of video game crosstalk audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash VGXTpod and sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles, such as The Dark Tower, Book 1, The Gunslinger. There's a certain heat coming off of Roland of Gilead. You can almost hear it sizzle. He's the kind of badass that only master storyteller Stephen King can create. At once tormented and tormenting. This gunslinger may be a man of few words, but the audio universe he lives in speaks volumes. Lifeless, harsh, and still. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash VGXTpod for your free audiobook. Or get The Martian. That's I'm just going to toss that in. Or get The Martian. Yes, The Martian is also <laughs> available. <laughs>
moving on to some mm-hmm. gaming and geekery because well, obviously a couple we of my favorite things geekery already. Yeah, a couple of my absolute favorites. <laughs> yes. Um, now on the Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover podcast, you guys had quite the discussion for the Nintendo Switch. Oh, we've we've had a couple big Switch discussions now. Um, some of them were just like speculation, and now it's it's really here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, because well, David bought one. Uh, he yes. pre-ordered and, and got one. The whole uh, the whole nine yards. He's playing Zelda like crazy. Yeah, um, loving every minute of it. Yeah, while podcasting, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's one of those things where, you know, people are asking, you know, what do you think? When 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 should I get a, a Switch or can I find one now? Like someone at work was just asking me. That's how I know it's like catching on in the mainstream. A mm. random dude at work was like, hey, do you know, do you know where I could find a Switch? I'm like, whoa. Ooh. Like, I'm 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 seeing these shades and and it's too early to call. Who knows mm. if it'll it's that initial hype, but you know, I'm seeing these shades of like that that mainstream success that the Wii had. Um but yeah, that, the Wii was amazing because it was the ultimate casual console. Right. Yeah. Um, I knew people who picked up the Wii and loved it that I'm fairly certain they never played a video game prior to this. Um, but it was the it was all the motion control of why yeah. they loved it. So rather totally. than like hitting the A button to get your little character to swing a bat in the baseball game, you didn't have to bother with the button pressing. You literally moved your arm. And yeah. that's been Nintendo's like sweet spot for the um for the motion control and how their console sold, but unfortunately, uh people never really moved beyond the Wii sports. Yeah, I think and like my mother in law has a Wii and it's sitting there and yes. she so she has she bought it for Wii Sports, you know, because she yep. saw it somewhere and and then um I think my you know, the kids play it sometimes when they're over there, but she doesn't touch it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think I think with the Switch, it's just an, a genius design because you know Nintendo's handhelds have always thrived. Oh um, yeah, and so it's it's kind of you're tapping into a little bit cannibalizing your own handheld market. Um, but you know, I think it's a good gamble because then you also have the motion control stuff that the casual gamer is going to look and see and say, "Oh yeah, look, I can play this party game, you know, one two switch or whatever or whatever other party games come to it," you know. Yeah, that's actually something I didn't quite realize. Um, and for the same reason why I'm not going to be buying a PlayStation, uh, just time and money commitments. Uh, sure. So unfortunately, I will not be purchasing a Nintendo Switch, and it's not out of spite of the uh, of the console or of Nintendo. Right. <laughs> it's just like financial limitations. Like it's 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 not an option for me, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, a friend of mine at the office picked it up with Breath of the Wild. Nice. And he realized why he was having so much trouble aiming his bow and arrow was that the controllers were picking up the motions of his hands. So I didn't realize that they were huh. putting motion control into the the switch controllers. Yeah, well, I, I know they do. I mean, because you use them for one, two switch. That it's all motion basically. Um, okay. Also, um, that that new game Arms that's coming out. It's it's kind of like the switch version of Wii boxing, but with like crazy extendable arms um, oh, nice. that it, you can play with motion controls or you can play with standard controls. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely something they are keeping and they're marketing it, uh, you know, that you can play, you can play it like a, uh, like a, 
like a hardcore gamer with the pro controller at home mm-hmm. on the big TV, then you can take it with you and you can play it like a handheld gamer. And then you can sit it down and you can play local multiplayer uh, with the, your two little tiny controllers, or you can play these motion control games and stuff at a party or at the park or wherever it's the, I think that's like the most compelling thing about it right now, because, you know, as you know, there, there's really not a lot to play on it right now. No, there really isn't. Um, basically, the only thing I've heard about it, I mean, like I know there are other launch titles, but the only thing that I'm seeing anybody talk about is Zelda. Right. <laughs> and and I will also admit, and I need to you know add this, that everyone that I follow on Twitter, or excuse me, everyone that I follow on Twitter, you know, they're basically my age or somewhere mm-hmm. there around. Yeah. So people, you know, my age or that like, you know, game the way I game and that's why I'm following them on Twitter. I wouldn't be interested in the other titles, so, you know, by association, they also aren't the type of gamer to play the other titles. So mm-hmm. my my point of reference or my frame of reference is definitely skewed. Mm, yeah. Uh, I need I definitely need, I think, need I think to think for me, that, but like there's zero discussion of anything other than Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, I think it's been a long time since we've seen a console launch with a killer app like this that's getting tens, you know, across the board and are nines and tens yeah. almost exclusively, you know, from reviewers. Um, I mean, it Nintendo Nintendo did it back when they launched the N sixty four. Um, if you remember, you know, Super Mario uh sixty four. Mm-hmm. And then there was that game which is that and that was the game that everyone bought the N64 to play and, and right. got the game and then there was Pilot Wing 64 and that was it for the longest time <laughs> so i mean it was it was i think the the switch launch library is pretty sparse but it's it's definitely better than the Nintendo 64 was at launch <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll give it that we'll give it that but it's just you know it, so at this current time, we can say that there's it's pretty sparse, and that's the general consensus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, right now there's Breath of the Wild, and then there's Snipperclips, which is an, another Nintendo game. Uh, it's like a local multiplayer-type puzzle game that's really, mm-hmm. really good. Um, and then also it launched with Shovel Knight, which is one of my favorite games of last year. Or did it come out in 2015? I can't remember. 2015, I think. That's been out for a while. Yeah, because I got it on Wii U. So, yeah, it probably was to 2015. So, um, But, yeah, Shovel Knight, if you haven't played that, it's oh so good. Such a great game. Yeah, um, I've heard nothing but great things about that as well. So, yeah, I mean, with those three games, I mean, especially since Zelda can be it can be anywhere from 40 to, like, 70, 80 hours long, depending on how gran- granular you want to get with all the side missions and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, you're you're gonna have a lot of a lot of time, uh, a lot of game time, just with those games, I think. Yeah, so it'll it's definitely gonna be able to hold people over for a while until they can get more games out. So I mean, mm-hmm. and definitely, um, good on them for having Zelda as one of the launch titles because obviously that was gonna sell, and they've always done a solid job with the with the Zelda titles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But hey, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I think everyone is like rooting for Nintendo to do good too. I think so. You know, you know they. No one wants to see Nintendo go away forever, except for maybe Mike Lopez on my podcast. Um, well, he's a terrible <laughs> person, then. <laughs> well, I mean, 
It's just one of those things. He got burned by the Wii, and then he never came back oh. for the Wii U. And then he's like, you know what? I don't trust them. They can prove it, you know. So he's he's not he's he's waiting because you know realistically, a lot of people have been saying that the Switch is, uh, is the the early Switch owners, the launch day Switch owners are kind of beta testing this thing. There's a lot of uh, wonkiness to the online. There's there's some issues with controller syncing and you know some various things that you know from a from a user standpoint, you know it 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 hasn't been perfected and, and i know like ps4 when it launched it was very bare bones compared to mm-hmm. where it is now uh as far as from the operating system uh perspective like it had it had you know it could play games and it could do a handful of other things but it didn't have you know say like media streaming capabilities like the ps3 had and things like that so there were a bunch of stuff that or a bunch, there were a bunch of things that were uh missing at launch from that so uh, I kind of give consoles the the benefit of the doubt with that stuff. Like they they can definitely come around and and patch things in and make things better. And if you look at the Xbox 360, for instance, like where it started and where it ended up was like night and day. Even oh, though it God, started, yeah. even though it started pretty strong. I mean, so. Well, yeah, you you learn more about the console. You just natural development happens. You know, mm-hmm. uh, software becomes more refined. You new services come to light, new applications, new ideas come to light. Like, oh, can we make this work on our console? Turns out we can. So, you yeah. know, patch that into it. Um, now, all sorts of stuff like that. So there, there's no doubt that they'll be adding to it. Or if they're smart, they'll be adding to it as time goes on with additional yeah. patches and updates. Uh, we got time for maybe one more gaming and geekery story. And... um Recently, there was a new trailer released for Death Note, the Netflix movie. Have you had a chance to see this trailer? Yeah, yeah, I checked it out. It looks cool. I mean, I think it's got like over 4 million views or something. Like, it really, it kind of blew up the internet for a little bit there. Yeah, it did. Did you watch the anime series? Uh, No, no. So, I've never seen, I know what Death, I'm familiar with Death Note as a property. Like, I've seen the artwork and the cosplay okay. and all that stuff, but I've never actually watched the anime. Okay. Um, about a year or two ago, one of my Twitter followers uh, suggested that I go watch it when I was looking for a new anime to pick up on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I was able to work through it. It is really good. Uh, there's awesome. a reason why there's a following for it. Uh, quick rundown is basically um, – this the notebook, the Death Note itself, is a book where if you write someone's name in this book, uh, they will die within a certain amount of time. Uh, it's like by a heart attack or something like that. Hmm. And um, as the human teenager that picks it up, he's kind of like mad at the world and super angsty. Um, <laughs> he picks it up, and the Death Note actually belongs to a Shinigami, which is like a a death angel in Japanese lore. Hmm. And uh, so it's owned by the the Shinigami, and he's kind of like the guide for the person using the Death Note, kind of helping them out with it. There's some other caveats along with it, of course, but uh, in time he learns that there's other things you can do with the, the Death Note, such as you can specify how the person dies. You can specify the method, the place, and the time, like everything surrounding it. And hmm. what the kid ends up doing is... No spoilers he ends now. Up just like no watching spoilers. the news, and whenever <laughs> someone terrible comes on or like gets away from the law or beats the system, he just like writes their name down. It's just 
just writes it down. And it's almost they, like a superpower at that point. It is. It's basically <laughs> the power of God, the power to take life. And uh, he also starts experimenting with he'll outline ways for people to die and then fill in the name later. Huh. So it gets into that, and it's really psychological. Um, Interesting. It definitely becomes a battle of wits between him and the police and a special unit, a special task force set to find out whoever is causing these terrible murders and stuff like yeah. that. So, so are you um, – no, did you, did you watch it on Netflix? Yes, I did. Oh, okay, so the, is the whole series still up on there? I do not know. Because I know this this movie is a, a a Netflix original movie. Yes, it is. Um, yes. Now, are you? I I don't know. I I feel like we have to touch on it a little bit because there's there was a little bit of outrage over Iron Fist and you know uh, supposed you know whatever side you fall on for this argument, but they people were complaining that Iron Fist was whitewashed by Netflix. Um, you know, recasting certain actors uh, who were Japanese or Asian, you know, now they're now they're white actors. And the same with this, like the the lead in Death Note is now a white actor. Um, I don't know. What do you think about all that? It's mm, whitewashing is a pain. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. It, it's a pain. And I'm looking up Iron Fist Marvel image search. And in, like, every picture, he's got a mask on. So I can't tell in the in the quick Google image search if he is. I'll take people's word for it. No, I don't, think, I don't think it's the lead. Now, to be fair, I've never read the Iron Fist comic, but um, well, I don't think it's I, the lead. I think it's other characters who have been changed to white actors. Okay. But then recently Ghost in the Shell got the uh, same thing for casting Scarlett Johansson as the major. Yes. You know, right. which so here's I, my take – Here's my take on the whitewashing. Um, mm-hmm. It's done the world over. Just insert local demographic for whatever the washing is. So here <laughs> in the That's U.S., um, it, we're gonna whitewash or make them make them look more American. Um, mm-hmm. In the remakes, in you know other places of the world, they'll take the same story, rewrite it, or they'll do their rendition of whatever the story is. And they'll access the local talent pool or mm-hmm. represent it in a way that will, is more appealing and relatable to the local audience. Yeah, so, no, that is that's a really good point. And I, honestly, I don't remember there being a big uh, fuss about uh, whitewashing when The Ring was remade in the U.S. Okay. You know, because that was a Japanese horror movie, um, and then when it was made in the in the U.S., it, they just used uh, what's her name, Naomi uh, Watts, is it the actress? I think so, uh, as the lead. And so, yeah, it it seems I, I don't remember it being a big issue then, but that was what what that was probably the early two thousands, and yeah. there was a lot less uh, outrage culture going on. Yeah, that that is true. the The internet has spawned quite a bit of outrage as more people get onto it, and and people are more aware. So here's the other side of the argument is that we are more aware we should be doing better. And it's not like Hollywood has a lack of talent pool to choose from. No. And I'm absolutely of the opinion that there are plenty of good Japanese actors who could have played this role uh, for, you know, for death note. Like, so there's no need in America. I, I mean, it's not like the, the white actor they picked is like, you know, 
uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, like someone who's yeah, gonna drive box name, office. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's just a. It's a, a no name actor, um, or you know, at least to me, I didn't recognize him. No, um, I have so, no idea what the person is. Yeah, so I'm. I, there's no for me. I would have been just as excited to watch it um, had it been a Japanese actor. So I, I, I don't. I don't know. That's it's, to, to me. It seems like whitewashing is kind of silly. The only time I will defend it is with Scarlett Johansson because she is my one, my one true love. Well, um, you know, does she know that? <laughs> she knows. She, she knows. knows. Okay, good. Because <laughs> she's about to know. <laughs> this is going into the world. Well, yeah, this, this is going. Uh, we're going to stop that uh, train right now. But um, <laughs> even my wife knows, so you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's understood. But, uh, it's yeah. But so it's, I digress. Yes, um, but it's it's complicated, and the reason why I bring this up is, um, what does it take for a either a comic book or a video game or some type of book to become a proper either movie or series? Because we've got a lot of stuff coming out in the next mm-hmm. few years. Yeah, um, Full Metal Alchemist is getting the live action treatment um mm-hmm. the audible interlude the the gunslinger is now going to become a movie i cannot wait i just heard uh assassin's creed might be getting a netflix series if that's what uh rumors are leading towards and also yeah. the obvious success of everything marvel in the past like 10 right. years i mean yeah so any thoughts on any of this i mean has marvel figured out the formula well, okay, so yeah, I mean, if you anyone who grew up in the '80s and '90s like I did uh, saw a bunch of really bad comic book movies, and <laughs> and there were some good ones, you know, we had like '89 Batman, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we had a couple of uh, good Spider-Man movies there, but like for by and large, it was very hit and miss. Like, is this going to be a good superhero movie, or is this going to be total garbage? You know, um, and Marvel really revolutionize that to where like everything they put out it seems is like this huge hit and it's part part of it is because of the genius of the marvel cinematic universe and now everyone is aping it from dc to uh disney's doing it with star wars and Mm -hmm. you know so and then um what was it uh uh sony was trying to do it with spider-man uh try to do like sinister six and the whole thing but anyway all that to say you know marvel has definitely tapped into some gold but you know, not everyone is going to be able to pull that off the way they have. I think, I think the star Wars property is strong enough where they can pull it off where, you know, releasing a movie every year and have it be like, everyone's totally fine with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, to kind of go back to the adaptation thing, like I feel like, you know, with full metal alchemist and with ghost in the shell and with, you know, death note and all these things that were like animation, and then now they're being made into a live action movie. We've we've seen Disney have awesome success with that lately, you know, with uh like Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and all these they're re- going through the whole back catalog and mm-hmm. Jungle Book, uh you know, remaking all these old animated films. Um so I think there is definitely a precedent for those being really good. What we have not seen be good. And then of course like uh books and stuff being adapted you know plenty of great books were adapted into great films so uh, but for me it's like the one outlier is video games i i have still yet to see a video game movie that i just truly loved and thought was a great film you know yeah did you see assassin's creed 
I have not watched it yet. I know it got kind of critically panned. Uh, I'll probably watch it at some point because I like Michael Michael Fassbender, but mm-hmm. um, oh, I was so disappointed. I was so frustrated. Oh, okay. I right. on that movie so long. <laughs> and I remember saying on 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 Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover, the podcast I host. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, I remember saying like, I think this movie looks kind of cool from the trailers. I don't want to be like too optimistic, but it, well, I wonder if this is the one that's going to break the video game movie curse. You know. Right, but <laughs> and I feel games. like that's like every big new game movie that comes out is like, is this the one that's going to break the video game movie curse? Yeah. yeah. I fe- and I I don't know. I think the only one that stood a chance in my mind is um you know you ask what does it take for them to be successful I, i'm thinking like if someone did like you know for a while they were hearing all these rumors of a last of us movie mm-hmm. um and neil Druckmann was writing the screenplay or co-writing it at least um so to me that's what it would take it would take someone who knows what makes that game work on a mm-hmm. story and emotional level and knows those characters also working with people who know how to make good films, you know, cause you can't, you have plenty of people who maybe know how to make a movie, but they don't know how to make a video game into a movie. You know, they don't know how to make a video game story work in that classic three act, you know, film structure. So that's it's, for me, it would take that kind of collaboration. And I think they need to take it slower. Like yeah. they need to set it up for a trilogy with the first, movie being an origin story and staying true to what made the the video game popular in the first place so mm-hmm. like with assassin's creed what made the video game series popular in the first place was a lot of the intrigue and the the kind of back and forth with the political uh conflict that was going on in uh, in the past and how it related in the future and I think where mm-hmm. it really fell short for me, and this is like a case study of a video game movie, was that when they went back in time to the, I mean, they were using the um, the Spanish Inquisition as a setting. Mm-hmm. I mean, political intrigue coming out of every orifice you can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the Inquisition. Church and state are going crazy. People are going <laughs> crazy. And the only thing that they use that time frame for is a period piece backdrop for some martial arts action and running over <laughs> rooftops. That's it. Oh, man. Is it? Oh, and yeah, you can watch so any, any video game movie and see all the missed opportunities, I think. But... Um... For me, yeah, you got to get someone who knows how to adapt. Someone who worked on the game. Mm-hmm. First, you got to start with a good game, right? Yes. So it, for me, it would be like, okay, make a Bioshock movie, but have Ken Levine help write the screenplay and consult you and produce. You know. There you and go. Have, you know, I remember when there were movie, uh, there were rumors about a Bioshock movie, uh, and I think Gore Verbinski was going to direct, and I was like, man, that sounds awesome. You know, that that sounds like a winning combo. And mm-hmm. then it was like, well, now it fell apart. And it seems like all the all the ones that do sound promising fall apart, and it's probably because they were turning out to be garbage, and they canceled them. You know? Yeah, someone who didn't <laughs> understand the video game or how video games tell stories. Um, there's also supposed to be a Borderlands video game or a uh, movie. Yes, there is a Borderlands video game. Um, yes, Border- there might be a Borderlands video game coming <laughs> up. Possibly. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> <clears throat> but there's going to be a Borderlands movie 
and I haven't really heard much ever since it was just kind of announced. But they, I remember saying that they were going to try to put a proper budget in place to make it like a blockbuster type level mm-hmm. movie. So again, there's a lot of potential there, but you gotta like get the writers from Gearbox mm-hmm. to get involved. You're gonna have to get people who were involved in making the game great get involved, and I would say give them more control than like the Hollywood script writer. Yeah, because if you try to butcher it up or cut it up into something that can be like homogenized and force fed to the masses, uh, you're going to lose the essence of the game. And it's people are going to see right through it as like a feeble attempt to grab some money. Right, right. (sighs) Please do right by us, please. C'est la vie, mon ami. <laughs> I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of jaded towards video game movies. I, I used to want a really great one to come out and change everyone's mind, and now I'm just like, you know what? Video games are a valid medium in themselves, and we don't necessarily need these to be adapted. Yeah. You know? So maybe but that's I want them maybe, to be. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the true answer. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I'm going to give one last plug for my St. Baldrick's endeavors. Um, if you don't know, St. Baldrick's is a foundation that helps raise money to fight childhood cancer and raise money for childhood cancer research. Uh, actually this Sunday, so possibly the day that this comes out, depending on how quickly I'm able to edit this podcast down, I will be shaving my head here in Albany to raise money for the Albany Medical Center. I will post a link in the show notes. You can donate on my head. You can see, uh, how... (laughs) absolutely hideous i look right now and (laughs) excessively hairy but uh it's all for a good cause uh if you get the chance to donate that'd be super awesome and thank you in advance yeah definitely a a very very worthy cause i mean i work uh for a hospital it department and um that's something that i you know you don't often think about i always think you always think about oh cancer patient you know they 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 didn't eat enough green vegetables and now they're old and they caught they they managed to come down with cancer but actually no it, you know it, it does affect children all the time and yeah and walking, it's rough it is through, really rough for the kids I mean, yeah walk, going through walking something. through that uh the cancer ward you know and seeing kids in there dealing with this fighting it you know um it is equal parts inspiring um uh, because a lot of them are very very brave about it um and then also heartbreaking so yeah definitely it's such a worthy cause if you want to donate um you know, help bring in some money uh, for research because I, I feel like this is one of those things that we will see change in our lifetime. Cancer, I mm-hmm. I, I believe that we will. You know, with all the uh, different advancements that I've read about in the last few years, like I feel like we are getting closer to having a real treatment um, that is kind of a little more foolproof. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's, it's one of those things that it just takes so much money to to get there. You know, so right. All right. Okay, and now for the final segment of this podcast, the final five. These are five questions that range from irrelevant to irreverent. (laughs) Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do Uh, this. All right. First question. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Take it 100%. 100%. No, black. All black. And really, I started out with cream and sugar, uh, and then... 
I, I eventually, because I'm a very, very lazy man, I, I just started <laughs> just going black and like, I'll just deal with the more bitter flavor because I, then I don't have to mess with it, you know? <laughs> I'm right there with you. I really am. I've told the story many times on this podcast. It's like I became a black coffee drinker at an, an old job because I just got frustrated with people taking way too much time to fix their coffee. Like, yeah. screw my coffee. I got work to do. Yeah, just and and it's it's easier to clean your mug after. So there you it go. It definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, second question: Do you do any tabletop gaming? Ooh, table mostly mostly card games. Uh, we got the Oregon Trail uh, card game recently, Ooh. which is super awesome. Is it? Uh, I died of dysentery, of course. Um, of course. And uh, are there any other death cards? I don't think so. <laughs> well, there's there's a snake bite one. There's like freezing to death. And one one round we played. I froze to death and starved to death on the exact same moment. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so it was... You're just done. Yeah, and it was kind of funny because you get to narrate your own death and then you, you write down on your little headstone how you died and and, nice. and, a, and a little <laughs> eulogy. But yeah, it, it's a that's a fantastic one. I also love um, Exploding Kittens. It's fantastic. Ah, nice. Um, yeah. And we got the expansion, Imploding Kittens. Oh, um, there's an expansion for it. Oh yeah, the expansion's Uh-oh. awesome. It adds some extra different uh, cards. Like, uh, so in regular exploding kittens, there's see the future. Yes. Um, and for anyone who's not familiar, it's kind of like Uno meets Russian roulette. Um, <laughs> but so <laughs> you're playing, and uh, so yeah, in in the original game, there's see the future, and you get to like peek at the top three cards and make sure there's not an exploding kitten waiting there to kill you. Um, but there's a new card in the in the expansion called Alter the Future, and so you know you you pop you know you you can look at those three, but then you can reshuffle the the three however you like and get whichever card you want. So nice. Um, there's wild cards and there's all all kinds of good stuff in there. So yeah, definitely recommend exploding kittens and uh, the imploding, imploding kittens. <laughs> <laughs> all right, question number three. You mentioned that you got a family. You started a family, and you have. Wonderful, beautiful, blessed children. Yes, they are very blessed. <laughs> so when you're playing games, do you allow your kids to win at these games? Or do you let them know that Mother oh. Nature is a harsh mistress? Weakness and mistakes are immediately <laughs> followed by severe, crippling wounds. If Mother Nature, the ultimate teacher, never forgives her children's shortcomings, why should you be any more lenient? Mm, mm. It's such a poignant question. Um, <laughs> so... It's tough for me because I, uh, I was always I was a younger brother growing up, so Uh-oh. I never had to learn that the lesson of like being the older brother and having to kind of let your little sibling kind of keep pace with you, maybe win every once in a while, so they'll keep playing with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always the little brother who was just ruthlessly wanted to win at all costs. So, <laughs> so, so it's been an adjustment trying to like not smash my kids. Like we talked about on the last podcast, like we were playing uh doctor or not Dr. Mario, um, Mario party 10. And I love being Bowser because it's me against the whole family and I just destroy <laughs> everybody. So yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't pull any punches, and, but I will say though, every so often, if I can see, you do have to play. You got to walk the line sometimes. So like I, I was seeing like we were playing some uh, Towerfall, and I was just destroying everyone. And then because um, I, I got the most experience, you know, I've been mm-hmm. playing playing since the NES, you know. Yeah, you, you um, know what's up. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and I, I finally had to like, oh man, oh you totally got me, you know, just to because mm-hmm. I, I want the, everyone to have fun too, you know. So. Yes. But then I'll uh, just like narrowly win at the last second. 
<laughs> younger brother high five just to let you know <laughs> but I, I i understand all right uh fourth question now we all know that pizza always wins it does it does it's a thing with uh the super best friends video games <laughs> over podcast. Yeah, pizza always our, wins that's our t-shirt on amazon.com hey so and uh speaking of the internet there's some recent scuttle going on about pizza what are your thoughts of pineapple on pizza Oh, okay. So, I know I know some people will you know uh, disown me for this, but I like pineapple on pizza, and Ooh. and the reason is because I was turned on to this by my older brother. It is the pineapple and jalapeno pizza. Now, oh. once upon a time, I would have said this is disgusting. Just give me some, you know, give me pepperoni, mm-hmm. give me meats, and like maybe some uh, black olives, some mushroom, whatever. But man, the pineapple and jalapeno pizza, you have this sweetness, right, from the pineapple, but then you have the spicy from the, the jalapeno, and it, it just makes magic happen. This is definitely something that is coming out of California and not New York. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. This, uh, Do you have any get... avocado on that pizza? <laughs> people get real weird out here. <laughs> I was just going to say this. Right. I mean, it sounds intriguing, but this is definitely a California thing. This is not yeah, this is not, not a New York pizza type thing. <laughs> oh, man. And one final question, uh, just real quickly. Uh, is Arnie available? Arnie? Oh, yeah. let me see if he's here. He's, he usually is. Hello! What's oh. going on out there with the video game crosstalk? Oh, Arnie, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, yes, I'm here. I so, hear all about the technology and outer space and and Mars. And I don't know. I don't know if you know this, Anthony, but I have been to Mars. You have? That's right, you have. How did that go for you? I almost died. I was out there and there's no air. And I'm like, ah, yeah, 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 like this. And my eyes, my eyes bulge out and it's disgusting. Well, we're so glad that you came back and you've been able to make the expendable movies. <laughs> yes, oh, Arnold, Arnold just ran off. He thought you were being mean. So. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's going to have to have a little quick explanation uh, of what all that chaos just was. <laughs> Care to uh, give a rundown on why that just happened? Oh, Arnold is a regular guest on the Super Best Friends video game Sleepover. And part of that is because being a child of the 80s and 90s, as I said, um, I grew up on the Arnold movies and I love I love Arnold so much. Just mostly because his, his voice is just so, so funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, grew up watching it and... Uh, and you know, eventually, I befriended Arnold, and now he comes on our podcast. So that is fantastic to have such have A-list actors come on your podcast. <laughs> it really has given us the old Arnold bump. Oh, it is. And if anyone goes over to the Super Best Friends Video Game Sleeper podcast, definitely look up the Christmas episodes, <laughs> where we have the dueling Arnies singing Christmas carols. <laughs> It's it's now a holiday tradition, I think, for the whole family. Oh, man. All right, <laughs> and that is all the time we have for this episode. Time for end of show plugs. You can follow me, Anthony Rossi, on Twitter, Instagram, Xbox One, and Twitch at HyperSyntax. That's H-Y-P-3-R 
S-I-N-T-4-X, or you can follow the podcast directly on Twitter at VGXTPod, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash VideoGameCrosstalk. This podcast is hosted directly on Podbean, and can be found at VideoGameCrosstalk.Podbean.com. As for my guest, Adam, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around? All right, uh, mostly on the Twitter. Uh, that's Barry White, B U R Y W I T E, um, and then, or of course, uh, I'm I'm mostly uh, Mike and I. I would say mostly run the, uh, the Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover Twitter account too. So that's SBF VGS Podcast on Twitter. Awesome. And finally, if you are a gamer or an or gamer that wants to talk some tech and science news, let me know. Do you know of some tech news that you'd like to hear discussed? Do you have any other general questions you'd like to hear answered on the show? Send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets on what's going down. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts, and we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. One last time, thank you for hanging out with us. Adam, thank you for joining me. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on. I feel this honored. It's been a blast. <laughs> and in the words of Carl Sandburg, the secret of happiness is to admire without desiring. sustainability experts i brought on a um i'm totally gonna edit out this long pause hold on <laughs> <laughs> leave it in just leave yeah, it just in. leave it in there uh